Welcome to the Grid Iron Crew podcast, uh, an NFL podcast made in Scotland by NFL lovers. You are listening to the news crew, and I am your host, Brian, the conscience of Cleveland, Donlan. Uh, tonight, we are going to be talking about all the latest news. Um, as the offseason, we are we are doing our best, but there is actually news. I was making this that I thought we'd be struggling, and uh, when I pulled together the all, the all agenda, there was more, more to talk about than I, than I thought we would have. Uh, so we're going to talk through the news, we're going to talk about uh, NFL and the TV, uh, a whole bunch of other bits and bobs, then obviously we are going to be going through your breaking news, a fun favourite now, Dan's third in top ten, uh, and as always, our statistic of the week. Uh, now remember folks, um, if you want to get involved, please give us a like, a subscribe, a follow on Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, all the usual places. Uh, love to hear from you, uh, so please feel free to get us involved. Now, it's the biggest rival day in the NFL. We're going to talk about it later. Um, but we are joined by potentially the crew's biggest rival day. <laughs> As tonight we have got <laughs> Stu and we've got Studs both on. We're joined, as I say, by Stu. <laughs> he's a, he's a, very, a very own transatlantic correspondent. Uh, even though he thinks that the balls are striped and the field's too small, uh, he's still willing to talk. He's still willing to talk NFL with us. Um, and yeah, he's a resident Bengal. Stu, how are you doing this evening, mate? I'm well. I mean, it's afternoon for me, but yeah, I'm doing absolutely great. Apart from the fact that uh, I've had to take a late lunch um, so that I could sit here in the car and uh, talk to you guys because I, I had to go into the office today. Ladies and gentlemen, appreciate the sacrifice. The sacrifice. It's willing to make for your your listening and viewing pleasure. Not only a late lunch, but he is genuine. For those that are listening and not watching, he is genuinely sat in the motor. Uh, the steering wheel is given us a very an odd foreground piece. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The studio set up today. Um, well, and we are also <laughs> we are joined by a man who loves referees almost as much as his team does. Uh, it's studs. Uh, the resident big chief, uh, how are you doing? Uh, not bad, mate, not bad. Looking forward to chatting with you boys in, in honour of the NFL news and what's uh, happening in the screens today. Back in your, back in your the, box, you'll have your well, moment, won't you? Where my home stop today, just uh, with everything that's going on. Well, that is going to be one of our talking points tonight. Uh, but, as always, before we get there, we like... To get stuck in with a kickoff question. Now, I don't know if any of you boys have been listening to it yet, but The Atlantic uh, have released a, a genuinely, a really fascinating series of podcasts called The Play Callers. Uh, I've not quite worked my way through all of them yet. I'm well, just about to finish the second one. Uh, it's all about the Shanahan coaching tree um, and how it all kind of spread out for their days in Washington and all the rest of it. But one revelation that came out of it that I found quite interesting was apparently apparently Sean McVeigh, amongst many of the other random things he likes to do before kickoff likes to spend some time genuinely in a dark room standing on his head apparently it's a yoga thing that helps him like focus and zen before he steps out to, to help lead the Rams to well to some of the many triumphs they've had I'm saying here as if it's weird they're a winning team is it is cool. it like a I've I've listened to just the first episode of this so far, but uh, the play callers. Um, is it like a whole thing about visualizing first downs by being upside down? I have turning, absolutely turning right. the ten, yeah. turning the but, ten yards on their head. Is that he's, what it is? he's in the dark. 
Like he's in the dark, so is it visualising like a first ten upside down when the stadium's floodlights have failed? Anyway, I think we can all agree it's a bit unusual. Um, is he? What's for him? But the question to kick us all off tonight, gentlemen, is um, what is your favourite odd pre-game ritual that we've heard of? You know, it's Sean McVeigh's, which is really odd. You go for like some famous ones, you get things like. Liverpool touching the crest and stuff like yeah. that when they, they come out the tunnel. So, uh, Stu, we'll start with yourself, mate. What is your... can either just be a famous one or it can be something that's weird and wacky. What is your top playoff or pre-game ritual? Ken, what? The, the first thing that's jumped into my head isn't even a, a pre-game thing. It was a mid-game. mid-game event involving, involving uh, Paul Gascoigne. Where at half time, <laughs> yeah. was this, I can't, Stud, you'll be able to correct me here if I get the teams wrong. At half time, I think he ran off the pitch. They went back through to the dressing room. Remember, he was going, Where's Gaza? And Gaza had basically bombed it up to the club level at Ibrox and tanned a bottle of wine and then headed back <laughs> down to the dressing room because he was feeling a bit rough for the night before. And he figured, Well, if I just get my, you know, some mere booze in my cell, I'm going to be quite better in the second half. And then sure enough, he did. Well, listen. Yeah, yeah, everybody needs a wee, a wee self-writer every now and again, just to, just to settle you. Just to settle you here are the, the dog and all that. So, as soon as you mentioned Paul Gascoigne, I was worried when you were taking that one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was one of the cleaner Paul Gascoigne stories, to be honest. <laughs> a couple of other mid-game antics that um, maybe aren't as suitable for the pod. Uh, right, okay, so yeah, there, there's a great mid-game antic, um, vanishing off up to the... He's a classy gent as well, you know, not going to you know, the bar next door, all the way up to the... To the lunch, <laughs> to the lunch, with the VIPs, uh, <laughs> getting, stay off the owners, off the owners table. Uh, but I, okay, there you go. Studs, what about yourself? What is your favourite pre or, or mid? As Stu has now blown the doors on a question wide open. Uh, event. What, what, what's your favourite? Mine's just... right, folks. We're going to go back to playing. We're going to go back to playing Studs Technology Bingo because this is my favourite pre-game ritual that we have here at the crew is that we, we <laughs> run a pool and we see how many times Studs' internet is going to die on him during any given pod. Uh, <laughs> back! Excellent. So, Studs, come back in, mate. You, the, yeah. the good news so, for you, sir, is that you didn't actually get started on your ritual. Yeah, so, you just said my favourite pre-game Take it for the top <laughs> as you say in Hollywood, mate. Well, if you, I don't know if you've seen recently the Champions League final referee before the game between Man City and Inter Milan. No, right, well, okay, I'm going to... Oh, no, here it is. Right, you're back. So, sorry, Champions League referee just before the final. What did they do? He was, he was practising giving yellow cards in the, in the mirror to make sure he was doing it right. <laughs> it was... Uh, absolutely superb, but it made, it made me chuckle. So I can't really imagine going into the amateur changing rooms practicing a wee yellow card for the boys before every game. I think I'd get slaughtered if they walked into hand in the team lines and I'm standing in my mirror giving yeah. yellow cards. Mate, I, I, think that's, I think it's only right and just that referees <laughs> do that for their training before every match. Uh, yeah. I, I'm kind of hoping that he was like, do you remember three years ago there was the referee who was quite flamboyant? That was a big referee, I think. Ah, he was something like that. I'm hoping it was like that. That's the the, the big, huge motions to deliver these cameras. (laughs) 
Still, I, mean, I now feel that you need to you need to give cards out like that. <laughs> Listen, when I'm up, when I'm up in Overton at the weekend, if I do that, I'll be lucky to make it out of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I will. I mean, I will say, given the guy props, he was probably just making sure that okay, if I'm pulling this one, it's the yellow. And then yeah. just make sure that like, the yellow and the red, he was always putting them back in the same spot because there'd be nothing worse than just randomly pulling at the red card. But well, we've that's why that you, make, you make sure you've got your red card in the back pocket and your yellow card in your top pocket. So if you're going top, yellow. If you're going back, it's a red. Yeah, there you go. That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way I do it. But again, every referee's different, I suppose. You have so. your first, folks. Your tips for the, tips for the ref in the corner. Um, I'm, and you know, I'm, for mine, I'm going to go with quite a famous one. I, I did always quite like the fact that Jordan always wore his North Carolina shorts under his bull shorts. Well, I, it, was like, it was one of those lucky things. Like you would also think, surely that would make him just like really extra sweaty. But it's like it worked for him. So who am I to judge? The, the the great Michael Jordan, two two pairs of shorts. Uh, right, okay. Thank you very much, gents. We're, uh, we're nice and warmed up. Now, to actually get us going, guys, uh, our first talking point, I'm, I'm amending the first talking point slightly. I'm amending it ever so slightly. We'll, we'll get on to the main talking point in a minute. But tonight, uh, or today, we have had Netflix's quarterback has, and there you go, ladies and gentlemen, for the first time ever, Studs is not the person who's in a technical nightmare. Uh, it's <laughs> I'm not talking about this. He's like, we're not having it. I'm done. Nah, he's out. He doesn't know how to talk Netflix. Uh, he's, he's, he's got a, a spiritual uh, reservation against him. Um, but aye, so we've got um, the Netflix's quarterback season has started. Now, Studs, for yourself, you are obviously got the wee bit of the, uh, the Homer interest. You are beyond just your average NFL fan when it comes to this because your boy, Mr. Mahomes, is starting in it. Now, do you know? See, just for the, the are you that keen? Have you watched any of it yet? Have you managed any yet? Studs, that was non-rhetorical. Studs has gone. Studs' technology's broken in him as well, folks. So I'm literally talking to just your fine selves while the crew reassembles around me. Um, Stu's just about to rejoin us, um, and Studs will be back in a minute. But oh, there he is! They're both back at the same time. So there you go, folks. Let it never be said that I couldn't start a fight in an empty room because I did my very best to try there and I failed. Uh, so, Stu, while Studs uh, corrects the internet in Hamilton, which I feel is going to become his uh, lifelong mission, um, and I'm going to assume okay. also that you are in the middle of the working day, so you wouldn't have a chance to even start looking at Netflix quarterback series yet. But is it something you intend to watch, mate? Are you... Anxious to get your work day done and get up the road and binge a bit of quarterback? No, definitely. That's uh, one of the. I, I'm looking forward to watching this show, kind of thing, mainly because I want to see um, how Kirk Cousins comes across. Well, they're anything. We've already heard. I've not seen any of it yet. You know, I've got, a, I've got a wee baby in the house, so I don't get much time to look at these things. Um, yeah. But we, we have heard that he, he does enjoy quoting. Relatively controversial British political figures. Yes. Which, uh, yeah. Couldn't Yeah. No, I didn't know where that was going to come from with him. But yeah, no, it's it's something like obviously you know it was announced months ago, um, but it's been something I've kind of had. Yeah, to so I think I love Maggie Thatcher. 
No, no, not so much. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to mention Maggie Thatcher, like, just to stay away from the politics of it all, but no, as for the show itself, though, like, honestly, I think um, it should be kind of quite good because, like, you know, you've got, like, Mahomes, who's top of the tree, Cousins, who's, you know, a, a fairly good quarterback. Who's yeah, been he's a top of franchise, Jimmy. Mike's grew up in prime time occasionally, yeah. as we all know. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Mariota, who's a guy that, like, yeah, he's been up there, he's a borderline starter, he's a bit more, I mean, I guess he's a journeyman, so you're kind of seeing it from, you know, different sides of, you've got one, t- you know, one franchise that's, like, right at the top, another team, Minnesota, who are trying to go over that hump and become good, but are sort of in flux at the same time, um, and then, you know, with Mariota, he was, like, what, Atlanta last year? Yeah. As well, yeah. so you're kind of watching a team that are definitely part of a rebuild kind of thing, but, you know, you've got a guy who is... You know, he's done his best his whole career, and I have a lot of respect for Mariota as well, because I think the guy's a, a stellar guy, so I'm definitely looking forward to watching it. So. Yeah. I saw the list tonight. Pa- Pamela will be delighted. <laughs> <laughs> Honey, I'm home. Guess what we get to watch? Sports documentaries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so listen, guys, if you're here for marriage advice, you, you listen, you're well served to this. this <laughs> we'll get many years put between us. Um, right, Suds, I'm going to write, you can have your Homer bit in a minute. I'm going to give you a question on this show first. Do you think that as far as the Vikings are concerned, is this a wee bit like going to be like Kirk Cousins' like, memoir? Because like, it looks very possible that he's only got what, a year left in his deal. Yeah, so, a year left before they can get rid of him. And uh, uh, conventional wisdom would say, you know, has it, has it, what does he need to do this year to make this not a memoir? and not have to move on and find a new home? For me, I think he probably needs to do more of the same. I mean, he's feeding Jefferson. He's getting the wide receivers involved. They've, they've got ready Cook. But what really are the Minnesota Vikings' options, to be honest? They're not going to get the number one pick. They're not at that stage. So are they going to be high enough up the draft to get a decent quarterback? I don't think so, um, to be perfectly honest. Not with the, not with the receiving call that they've got. Um, do you know what I mean? And they just picked up the boy uh, Addison as well, who um, by, all, yeah. by all accounts is a stud. So yeah. they've got a stellar receiving core, by all accounts to protect Kirk Cousins. He gets the ball out, get he gets these guys fed. I think they're going to be another mid-table team, and at that point they need to look at who have they already got in the roster? Is it worth paying Cousins again? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, the guy's not a bad QB. No, he is not. I love it. I love a stat. I love going through all the stats. And you look at Kirk's stats, and he, if we if we ignore that he clearly has major issues with prime time, you put him on on a Sunday at 12, he's ideal, does the job. Right, okay, so that's me and Stu are going to sit here. We're going to rest patiently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're going to do you, You're wearing your jersey. You've got your fancy glassware out. I was going to say, just before studs starts, right, I, <laughs> does the Homer thing, just to kind of have Go a, little it, bit yeah. more, a little bit more Vikings thing there. Like, um, I would say as well, like the, the one place they really struggled last year uh, was on the defensive side of the ball as well. And supposedly, like, you know, their moves that they made through the draft and then over the summer is going to make them better i'm not entirely sure though like i'm always a little loath to say when you're bringing in defensive players that you know through the draft that that's where you're going to get your big gains because usually that's like a year two year three thing where you really see the biggest kind of benefit unless you know you've drafted a sauce gardener in the top four 
or something mm. like that. Like, you know, unless you went for a real game breaker guy like early on. But um, yeah, Minnesota, I think they've made some good moves, but I'm not entirely sure the veterans that they let go were the problem, if that makes sense. So well, we got we got Zadarius Smith at them, which is going to be great for the Browns. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Who you go, so that helps you guys out. But um, yeah, that that's that's my thing with the Vikes is like offensively, yeah, they're fine. They've also they've got Hawkinson as well. We didn't even mention him. There's a there's another one. He was an absolute weapon for them. Like, you know, heading mm-hmm. down the stretch, and then you know he, he could have been big in the playoffs. And Jefferson. You know, for some reason, that was the thing was Cousins stopped in, in the playoffs, whether it was Cousins or whether it was the game plan. For some reason, the Vikings stopped doing what makes them successful. They just stopped trying to get the ball to Jefferson for most of that game. And it was, wow. I remember looking back watching it and like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> it's like, Questions, is there a answered in Minnesota, it seems. Right, studs, I promise you a minute and I can't even hear you. What do you want? Yeah. Tell me what is so, see, for, this is actually what I'm genuinely curious because you obviously consume a huge amount of Chiefs, news, of events, everything that's coming out. You are a keen, keen fan. What are you looking to get from this show that you don't already know? I think, based on the clips I've seen, I don't think I quite realised how much smack talk comes out of Pat Mahomes during the game. I don't know I'll, I don't know if you boys have seen the one with Max Crosby, where he's trying to get him. Um, the Chiefs are down 17 now, and this is one of the clips that I, that's going to be in the show. And Chief 17 down, he steps by Matt Crosby. And it's the one, it's the famous sideline quote where you see him at the side going, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. But before that, he's he's saying you can't catch me, motherfucker, or something like that to him. Yeah. So he's proper in Max Crosby's face, <laughs> um, squaring up to him. And I'm like, right, that's a big dude to be getting in his face. Um, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, Pat's not a quarterback that you. You associate with having a gub. You know what I mean? He's not, you know, you look at oh, I can get my I can get my weekly quota filled here. You look at Baker. Uh <laughs> he's a he is he is a quarterback. You know, if you hear Baker talking to Mac, ain't nobody gonna be shocked or surprised at that. It's very much his MO. Pat always comes across as a slightly more reserved, uh, you know, do the talking guy. Yeah. yeah. It does not come quite across as dangerous as Baker. Do you know what I mean? So he's uh, <laughs> I think what you get for Pat though, you get the kind of showmanship you see with the celebrations, and I think we've always seen that. He's very yeah. much loves his football, he loves being part of the game. I think he's absolutely loving the fact that he's he's one of the faces, if not the face of the NFL right now. Um and I think you see that with all the different things he's involved in, like even watching the match with Kelsey, the camaraderie that the banter with they two is just frightening. And when that starts going, it just it kills other teams. And even in the golf match, that's what happened. That Mahomes and Kelsey started their wind-up, started their banter, and yep. the NBA guys couldn't handle it. Listen, I will never, and I don't think there is ever a universe where I'm going to understand this, Travis Kelsey is so large. How can somebody <laughs> that size? And it's, look at, look at the Chiefs last year. They basically had me at wide receiver. How can Kelsey be this open, this consistently? It baffles me. But the pair of them hook up time and time and time again. 
if you, if you listen to um, the New Heights podcast, he gives you a wee bit yeah. of secrets in there. He's apparently he played Call of Duty with MVS and Juju last year and they came across he's a very good flanker. He just hides running and points people out and lets everybody else stay the shoot. So <laughs> he's yeah, uh, yeah, at the, the the old classic um the old classic tight end route of all oh, right, oh, oh I just missed that block. Now I'm gonna run and be open. He, he is a master at those plays. Right, guys, we're going to shift on. Um, so the other big bit of TV news at the moment is Hard Knocks. It's Hard Knock Life for Aaron. <laughs> Not really. Uh, but he is going to appear in this summer's Hard Knocks. Now, Hard Knocks was, what, launched in 2000? I was checking yesterday. I thought Hard Knocks was reasonably new. It's been running for 16 years. Um, so 2001, it is a staple of the off-season. And as we all know, the New York Jets were declared today to be the team that are going to be focusing or it's going to be focusing on them this season. No, it's no exactly a stunning out there decision from the league to give it to the, to the Jets, given the off-season they've been having in the Rogers trade and all the rest of it. So my question, and I'm going to come to yourself, Stu, first, are you happy with that? Are you happy with the Jets or would you have preferred to see that land some somewhere else. And it's worth throwing in at this point that this is the second time the Jets have had it. They were on back in 2010 as well. But does the well, story merit it? Well, I mean, I would say, see, I kind of like teams when they have been absolutely abysmal bottom in the pile. Like Hard Knocks, so like Detroit last year, that was a good pick. The years the Bengals were picked, those were good picks because we kind of deserved it. It's like usually it's a team who are coming from being absolute dog crap to being good, whereas the Jets, if you look at it from that angle, they actually didn't have the worst year last year. Their defense is amazing. It was just a case of they had no quarterback. However, looking at it from the league's point of view, when your options are, um, who were the other ones, Washington, who, again, also didn't have a dog crap year. They were only just outside the playoff spots, remember? Uh, who are the other ones? New Orleans Saints. I guess that might have been interesting because of the Kamara angle, but maybe the league went, nah, let's stay away from that. There's too much controversy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I forget. The legal team would say no. Who was the third, or who was the third option? I think you had Chicago, the Saints, the Commanders, you had the Jets. Um... I think Detroit were actually as well a potential. Well, to do I mean, Detroit game. were last year. It may have been Detroit nice. Like the there's somebody on Twitter, I think it's Shy Town Paul, you can guess who what team he supports. But he's mm-hmm. actually kind of touched on who I would have probably liked to have seen in there because I think I can see quite a lot of similarities between Detroit's season pre-hard knocks and Chicago last yeah. year going into this season mm-hmm. where there's a lot of hype around Chicago they got the trade for DJ Moore they got out of that first pick Justin Fields second season I, I think listen, Chicago's he's saying he's glad Chicago avoided it but I think Chicago were a ready made pick but I think this mm-hmm. is actually the first year the NFL's approached all the teams rather than saying you're doing it and yeah. all the te- all the teams have actually said no the only one that said yes was the Jets owner even Robert Salah and that apparently said no but they yeah. went no this will be good it yeah. does I mean I, I get it he's, he's wanting to sell more season tickets or whatever but I mean he's doing that anyway with Rogers coming in but I mean I he's probably right. doing it as the, the owners looked at this and went Rogers is going to come in here and he's going to win as a Super Bowl or at least the division this first mm-hmm. year which don't I don't know if I agree with that but um 
that's his angle, so I totally understand why the owner would say yes, and I totally understand why the league would want the Jets, just because it's Aaron Rodgers. It's, they've never had a chance at having him on hard knocks because Green Bay's kind of... Because Green, Green Bay is Green Bay. <laughs> do you think, Green do you think... Bay would have been good to have this year because, you know, maybe after Rodgers, here's Jordan Love. Like... Yeah. Do, you think the, um, do you think they'll change the intro to the, the entourage starting? Starting lineup after Aaron Rodgers handed out his demand and they've signed all these players. <laughs> He's basically brought them in. I, I still think Rodgers should have demanded the Jets sign Jordan Love just so he could sit behind him in New York as well. Um, so funny. As I, I suppose it does. It does show you the bit you're just pointing out. Studs, it shows us very much the difference between an owner's perspective. I'll be honest. I'm surprised more owners around the league, and it might well be that the other owners around the league didn't feel they could capitalise on it as heavily um, as, as the Jets did. But the difference between how an owner looks at that opportunity and a, and a head coach looks at that opportunity, well, head coaches, they don't want the drama, they don't want the distraction, they don't want the other in the dressing room with them. Um, but to be fair, you look at the Lions last year and... I don't know. It, it, it did them a lot of favours in terms of how it how they were perceived. They, made, um, they became a media darling the Lions last year, and absolutely. Dan Campbell was absolutely. Oh, what was Aiden Hutchinson singing? He did a song, and I forget what it was. Anyway, it was very entertaining. It was hilarious. It was whole, it, yeah, I was. The one was all over. It was. It was kind of. <laughs> Yeah, it was kind of and like um, you know uh, one of those moments in like America's Got Talent or something when uh, the wee the wee girl goes up, who looks like the wee shy school girl, and she starts singing, you'd expecting just the kind of wee fey voice, and all of a sudden she's singing like Whitney Houston, something that was like that, uh, except not a good thing, but he was good. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there you are. Um, you never thought you would hear it, but we have just managed to describe Aidan Hutchinson as a wee girl. Um, <laughs> I'll be running for my life. <laughs> I'll be running for my life right about now. <laughs> hey, I, 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 not just that. A wee girl who can sing like Whitney. Um, so there you go. That's a that's a compliment. I don't believe Mr. Hutchinson will ever have been paid before. And uh, because we know that he is, of course, an avid listener to the pod, uh, Aiden, you are welcome, mate. Um, right, okay, folks. Um, moving on to our next segment. So our next story of the week. Now, the, the Panthers, and this is where I am going to absolutely butcher this poor chap's first name, so I am very sorry ahead of time. Yetter Cross Matos, who played last year, I did all right there, actually, uh, played last year def- uh, 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 in, on the D-line, played defensive end um, for the Panthers, and they are going through flux, I think is the fairest way to describe the, chap, the, the Carolina Panthers this year. Uh, but one of the changes that's coming, there are a lot of changes in the defensive scheme, but one of the bits that he is moving from defensive end to outside linebacker. So, quote from him, is that, and I found it really interesting, was just particularly given how he maybe sees himself, is that, that he will now really be able to use his athleticism more, running more, covering. Um, outside linebackers consider themselves the alphas of the defence because they can do it all. Um, so it's a big responsibility, but he is all about it. So that is a man who has made a pretty reasonable change in position, uh, but really thinks that he's got it in him to, to do that and to succeed. So my question to you two gentlemen, which player, can be for your team, can be for our team, do you think could or should change the position that they play at and why? 
Uh, studs, kick me off, mate. Who do you think? Um, I'll, I'll go Tim Tebow. Oh, no, wait, we tried that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I should qualify. I should qualify. Um, cutting a player is not eligible. Uh, I am making you the water boy. Not <laughs> right. Tra- Travis Kelsey is too easy to go tight end to wide receiver. So we'll go. I'm going to go. I, I love seeing a thick six, right? I love seeing a big guy touchdown. And okay. we did try it a couple of times on the offensive line. We put Kalen Saunders, now of the New Orleans Saints, actually. Um, I was a big fan of Kalen Saunders on our D-line. I would have loved to have seen him going in at fullback, catching a couple of passes out the backfield. Um, seen clips of him doing it at the Chiefs training camp. Uh, and the guy is just an absolute freak athlete. For, the, for a 300-plus pound guy, he is just an absolute freak athlete. Um, so it would have been great to see him maybe maybe in there at fullback, knocking some people out yeah. for I don't know Isaiah Pacheco. Not that he needs any in his road when he's running, but it's uh, yeah. aye, something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. Stuart, what about yourself? Who would you who would you move? Who would you swap about? I, I'm going to be kind of boring here and almost go the exact same route as Studs because I was Aww. a fan of Bears legend, uh, the refrigerator. You know, when and like he was a he was a defensive or a defensive lineman that yep. he used. I don't know if you know about him, Brian, but like in the eighties, basically the uh, the Bears were slighted, and uh, and I, I think it was a regular season matchup at the end of one year where was it the Kansas City Chiefs they were playing against, and they That's sent the defensive lineman to basically do the kneel down at the end of the game. And the Bears just went, no, no, we're not having this. So the next year they decided, screw this. We're going to make Perry a fullback. We're going to play him in both positions. And they made <laughs> that. Then he, he scored, I think it was like five touchdowns in a year, including one reception touchdown Yeah, as well. Oh, but like, but... he even scored two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. Like, can I think as well? Oh, the guy was it was called the fridge for a reason, Brian. You just need to imagine. It's it's <laughs> like Jerome really Bettis. Jones. It's like Jerome Bettis nicknamed the bus. <laughs> There's an obvious reason for it. <laughs> one of one of his touchdowns, one of the ones in the Super I think it was the first one in the Super Bowl where he went airborne. He jumped over the line. <laughs> when I think airborne, I mean like I threw it off the ground, but like, you know, dives across the line. But yeah, I would I would go uh, BJ Hill from the if we're doing a bangle and then uh, say put him in at fullback. And then second on to this, one of the things I've always thought that might be nice to do, because we always talk about, as much as I'm a kicker fan, um, I do think maybe we're approaching the stage where kicking's getting a bit ridiculous, because like guys are now starting to regularly make 55-yard-plus field goals. So what if we were to say you can't have a dedicated kicker anymore, you have to be a multi-position guy? And like what if, you know, we were to say like, okay, for now on, now the quarterbacks are taking kicks as well. And I'm going to put that as a question to you two. Who do we think the best quarterback, at t- you know, kicking a field goal would be in the league, and why? I'm I'm going to go with Baker because he's got to be good at something. <laughs> oh yeah, fair. Okay. Somebody with that much confidence has to have talent. Something surely. Oh man. <laughs> 
Mahomes, Mahomes is good average. So again, you can't really do that. He would he would probably be hitting him for seventy yards and still getting. Um, Jesus. <laughs> See, it'll be fair. I would say, see somebody like Anthony Richardson. See if you're talking like kickoffs, maybe not so much point, extra points in that. But if you get by that last line and Anthony Richards is, Richards, Richardson is running at you, um, aye, let's face it, you're not what to take a hand for him. He's, he's a big dude. Again, that's that's not a fair question as well because the Chiefs had Justin Reed hitting, hitting the extra points for his last year when Butker get, um, went down. He scored one, missed one, I think, right now. But, um, aye, so we've already been in there. Stu, I'm just disappointed you didn't get Blair Walsh into the position change. I thought that's when you was away. <laughs> oh, no. I didn't do that. <laughs> right. I mean, Seabass at wide receiver. <laughs> Right, we are going to keep it moving, gentlemen. We are going to keep things shifting on um, because I don't want Keith to shout at me. Uh, so, our next talking point before we hit the news, Joey B. Stu, your boy. Joey has been out in the media again. And to be fair, he's actually been being quite nice and respectful given how this could easily go the other way. Um, talking about how much he is looking forward to facing off against Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs again. Uh, he's very much got his eyes set on yet another um, championship game. He wants to try and get over that hump and get himself to a Super Bowl through the Chiefs. Um, is this the biggest or maybe the most meaningful, to maybe put it another way, rivalry that the NFL has at the minute? Now, we are blessed, ladies and gentlemen, because, of course, we happen to have a Bengals fan and a Chiefs fan on. Um, sadly, they are separated by, you know, many, many hundreds of miles, so we can't have them of a scrap over it. Um, but it's failing clear. that, they can fight with them. Well. So, Stu, you, you can kick us off with this one, mate. Is, is this the biggest, the most meaningful rivalry in the NFL at the moment? Um. Well, what I was saying there was studs does still owe me a trophy. So the yes. from the last year, so that part of the rivalry to consider as well <laughs> uh, for the personal rivalry. But um, in terms of biggest rivalry, I mean, I want to say, to be honest, yes. Like just in terms of, we've had some really really good games over the last few years. Like and some of them have been at that like highest level, which is you know we've had the the we can play, which is the conference final. We can't mean the Super Bowl clearly, um, but yeah, no, I I would say until proven otherwise, this is the biggest rivalry, and that's one of the reasons that when the scheduling this year, the NFL has put our game where they put it, which is like right at the end of December, kind of in that key week that they've obviously looked at it and said this is a game that could maybe decide number one seed overall, you know, heading into the playoffs. So yeah, I I would I would agree. I mean, whether we want to get into the is Mahomes better than Burrow? Burrow better than Mahomes? Argument. Uh, I I kind of take the the Burrow room. I, 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 I don't think you do want to get into that argument, mate. Uh, a, <laughs> even as a bit of a neutral, not sure that one will fall your way. Um, Studs, what about yourself, mate? So is is it all about the, the now though? Like, is is that what makes rivalries great? You know, there's no great historical. Um, enmity between these two teams. This is very much a modern day thing because they are the, the two top dogs in the AFC right now. And the AFC, as we know, is, is 
by far and away the, the more competitive side of the NFL. So is it all about who is putting out the best teams today and how they are clashing? Or would you look at things like, you know, going for historical rivalries like the Bears and the Packers? Is that a bigger rivalry? What do you think? See, see, for me, a rivalry's got to be something where somebody actually gets a chance to win. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And the Bears, Bears, Packers, that's just no fear. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Is, is it this year? Is it now? Well, let's let's see what happens. But for me, I'm with Stu. This is absolutely the biggest rivalry in the NFL right now. Every game that the Chiefs and Bengals have played over the last two seasons has been won by a field goal, yep. um, including the, the two AFC Championship games. They're on in Hugmanay this year. Um, so again, as Stu rightly mentioned, prime time. Josh Allen carry one a meaningful game really in January. So until he actually yeah. stops bottling it, then he he can't really come into that conversation. And as Stu was saying, it doesn't know whether to get into the Burrow Mahomes argument. There's there's something that Mahomes has got <laughs> that, that Burrow does not <laughs> Between the fan bases as well, for the most part, it is all kind of friendly rivalry and things like that. And I think that's something you tend to get more in the NFL. Um, it tends to be more friendly rivalry a lot of the time. Um, certainly, as, as you said, with the two quarterbacks and Burrow speaking very highly of Mahomes, and I yep. know I've heard Mahomes speaking very highly of Burrow in, in the past as well. So I think the one, the ones that I've kind of enjoyed is obviously the Mary Cincinnati pipe man. Right. championship game but then it was <laughs> it was the video when Orlando Brown signed um, this year okay. where he's been I he's basically and um, we're playing the Chiefs on Hugmanay and I've got nothing more to say about that one <laughs> <laughs> right okay okay folks well um, short corner a uh, Chiefs fan and the Bengals fan both think they're exceptionally important uh, so who saw that one coming Right, now uh, on to the, the breaking news of the week, folks. So, we've got a few stories um, that have been coming out. One of the big ones uh, broke just over the last day or so. Um, Alvin Kamara pleads no contest uh, to a misdemeanor breach of the peace charge. Uh, so, short version is, is that the felony, I don't know if it was being labelled as assault or how they were labelling it in the States, but the felony charge he was being uh, facing has been dropped. Um, because he's pleaded no contest in a misdemeanor. Winds up with him getting 30 hours of community service, a total of just over 105 grand getting paid out to the victim, plus, plus, before anyone forgets, a $500 court fine. Um, because that, of course, matters to a man earning as much as he does. Um, is this the end of it? Right, you get you get a one line each, gentlemen. Is this the end of it, or is the league still going to kick him into touch for a wee bit of time this year? Uh, Stu, go for it, would you reckon? 
I don't think it's the end of it. I think there could be a ban. Um, I don't think it's obviously going to be a season long or anything like that now. I think we're now looking in that range of like maybe the four game ban or something like that. So I, nah, I feel like. Not, it's not like it was caught gambling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think uh, it's over and done with yet. Studs over yourself. Do you think do you think the league are going to look at it and say, nah, the Colts have got this one in hand, or are they still going to be doling out some of their own fresh justice? No, I think the league's going to get involved. They've, they do have a habit of getting involved in um, violent incidents, shall we say, and, albeit they do seem to be more lenient with them than, as you mentioned, gambling, um, for example. But I, I think the league gets involved. I think they're probably talking maybe six-game ban for them, some similar to what Zeke got at the Cowboys, and then that'll be the end of it, unfortunately. So, yeah. Well, it's, uh, it is interesting. It's uh, far be it for me to to moralise on how um, American society views its celebrities and how the league treats them. Uh, but it, it seems about odd. Um, right. One, that, right, no, I couldn't believe this when I seen it. And it might just be, well, I couldn't believe it when I seen it and then I took a step back and I remembered how cutthroat professional sport is. There are reports coming out of Boston that Bill Belichick could be on the coaching hot seat this season. Now, there was a lot of chat when Tom Brady left the Pats that it didn't matter. It was Bill's show and Bill would keep the good times rolling. Tom left won a Super Bowl and the Patriots have been an absolute mediocre mess since. And I think I'm maybe being kind to mediocre messes. Um, what do we think? Is, is Bill potentially staring down the barrel if they have yet another poor season? Uh, Studs, you, you can take us in this one, mate. What do you think? I, I think, obviously, obviously, what he's done in the New England area is unprecedented, to say the least. So it is going to buy him a large bit of goodwill. After seeing seasons with Cam Newton and then last season's utter whatever that was, with Mark Patricia and Joe Judge at the helm of offensive coordinators, I think the fans' patience may be, rolling, may be running thin. I was like you, shocked when I first seen it, and then when I actually thought, wait a minute, they've not had three or four great seasons. Yeah. Um, even Tom's last season, yeah, they kind of got to the playoffs, went out at home to the Titans. It certainly wasn't vintage, so... Um, the year they made the playoffs with Mark, they went out with a win party Buffalo. So they've certainly been, if they're getting in the playoffs, they're scraping. Um, and then, I no, I can see why he'd be on the hot seat, but I don't, I wouldn't put too much faith in it. It'd need to be an absolute horror show for it to happen. Stu, what about yourself, mate? So, do you think Bill gets to ride out last season? Basically, say, look, it wasn't my fault. Um, my, my play callers were doing a terrible, terrible job. Or, at the end of the day, he is at the top of the tree. So, he appointed these guys. He decided that they get to do the play calling. It's on him to step in when it starts going badly. And let's not, be, let's not kid ourselves on here. It was no big shock to anybody how badly that season went for the Pats. Uh, what do you think, Chief? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, like, to be honest, probably... I wouldn't say we get fired after this season, but I think maybe he's got two years left where... If this year doesn't go well, or if they don't improve this year, and then the year after that, if they don't do well, then he might be in trouble. Because I think what yeah. happened last year with Patricia, that seemed to be a stage of it looked like a coach who felt they were infallible. And it's like, ah, I could just stick Matt Patricia. I want to give a, a job to my buddy. 
and I'm just going to stick them, stick them in this role, and it doesn't matter who I put in there, we're going to be successful enough. And they were not, they were absolutely horrible on offence. They're still a great defensive team, though, so I mean, we'll see how it goes yeah. going into this year. The only other point I would have on this, though, is, uh, and it, I mean, I guess it's slightly different this time, the, the Patriots, under Belichick, they basically had two dynasties. And we were kind of talking about this in the gridiron chat mm-hmm. the other day, like just between the, the few of us, and I was kind of pointing out that they won three Super Bowls early in the Brady years, then there was a 10-year gap, then they mm-hmm. did it again. So, I mean, we're now sort of in that window of, well, we should be starting to see success again if this is a building on a well, it could be. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bold hot take, ladies and gentlemen. Here we go first. Uh, Bill works on a schedule. He takes years. three to four years off, then he dominates the league again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> things, uh, stranger things have happened. Right, um, now this one, gents, I'm going to battle over quite briefly, and I'm sure you'll forgive me. The supplementary draft was a complete monumental waste of time. So... For anyone that's not aware, um, we had this, the NFL supplementary draft happened over the last day or so. Um, it's the first time we've had one since 2019. There's no bothered since. There was a whopping, not one, but two players available in this draft. Uh, they were wide receivers, uh, Malachi Widerman, uh, which, come on, it's a wide receiver having the surname Widerman. Yeah, I don't know why no one took him. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, and Milton Wright, uh, who came out of uh, Jackson State and uh, Purdue, respectively. Uh, they were both available. If you wanted either of them, it would have cost you a pick in, or a corresponding pick in 2024. And the league said, no. The question to you both, gentlemen, and I want one more answers so we can move on to something that's actually more interesting news. Uh, is the supplementary draft a complete waste of time? Yes. Yes. Nice. I concur. Good. Deal with NFL. <laughs> that will be a ten thousand dollar consultation fee payable to each of us. We shall send you addresses for the checks. <laughs> um, right now, Stu's inadvertently set this one up earlier. We have a wee example of um, naughty and nice and all things in between from different position groups over the last uh, couple of days. On the naughty step, we have got studs, Kadarius Tony who has been firing it. Now, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the voice notes that he sent out on Twitter. Now, his voice notes have basically been leaked. This isn't something he's published himself. He did DM these to, to some guy on Twitter. I've no idea who the guy is. Um, who is obviously affiliated with the Giants. I don't know if he's a fan or if he's media or what have you. But he put a bit out saying, basically, you miss Daniel Jones. And Kadarius Tony to say he bit, doesn't half cover it. These messages were expletive ridden. Their the language was choice. The the short version was he feels that he does not miss Daniel Jones and that he will be fine. <laughs> he chose to deliver that in a slightly more expletive manner. <laughs> <laughs> now we take that from a wide receiver and we compare that to Mister Ice. Lamar out there in the floor of the sunshine, quite literally delivering ice cream to children. So, my point to you both, gentlemen, is Kadarius Tony basically a bit of a head case and the coaching staff maybe need to have a word? Or is it like Stu said earlier? Uh, Stu said earlier, sorry. He's a wide receiver. 
Wait to see if I like this. That's what that that's the mojo. And you just can't question it. I, I would chuck in at this point. He's a wide receiver with key hall production today. But uh, that's not the point right now. Well, it's not. So you take it. You made the point earlier. He's only got a pass here. He, he produced uh, in like the four games he played for here. I don't know if you can say he has no production. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. I would, I would agree with Kadehi's story that he's probably not missing dimes. All that much, seeing as he now plays with <laughs> kind of thing, it's gonna kind of a bit of a change in scenery for him there. Although I, I do think the Giants are going to be decent. Listen, if, so, if some if somebody was saying to me, I miss Daniel Jones over Pat Mahomes, then I would be having an expletive voice message to them as well. <laughs> <laughs> I would probably be laughing at them as well, to be honest. I'm, I'm walking away with a Super Bowl ring, oh, but you miss Daniel Jones, unless well, he's buying the Ferraris them. and Hussies. One of, one of the strangest things about it was it, like, as I sat and I, I listened to the messages, they are really, really defensive. Like, I would have got it, say, if it studs, as you say, if he's like, like you know, no disrespect to, to Jones or the rest of it, but he's no part. See if he was coming for that angle. I'd, I'd maybe I got it. I'd maybe I understood. And he chucks in a couple of, couple of mean naughty words here and there to make his point. But he sounded really defensive. Like, it's like really, really defensive. <laughs> you misses me. <laughs> I, think he, I think he maybe fancies Danny Dimes. Uh, which I'd be fair. That's a man. man uh, but, we need to give a wee bit of credit to Lamar. That is, as he genuinely was, out in Florida buying ice cream for wins. Surely that is the exact type of, of behaviour you want from the face of your franchise. All depends on how you spin it. <laughs> We've seen society these days. A man buying sweets for Wayne's could be spun anyway. Yes. <laughs> you know, oh, I was about to ask how you could turn buying ice cream for, for you know hot and tired children into a negative, and I was going to not ask the question. Never mind, Thank you very much for that. No, listen, in all seriousness, it was a, it was great to see Lamar doing that. So I yeah. I do think and. Listening to previous interviews for Lamar, I think he does come across very well. He does come across very much as a, a people person um, and want to get involved in society. So, nah, hats off to him. Right. I know that'll okay. hurt you, Brian, but hats off to him. I know. I listen, do you know, honestly, um, I've got a lot of time for Lamar. I think he is criminal. That's why I deliberately didn't bring him up in our segment of um, players that should play at other positions and say Lamar should try playing quarterback. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I, I'm back him as a, as a player I think he's immensely talented and I said this as I'm sure everybody can imagine it's listening there's all sorts of chat that goes in the background about this one of the first things I said when I seen the story is Lamar's got lots of previous for things like this he is really one that's quite big about being out in his community particularly with kids I'm sure his um, I could be totally wrong with this somebody can correct me on Twitter um, I'm sure one of his my cause my cleats is a, is a is a children's charity. Sure it is, but at any rate, he is. He's all about. It. I've got a lot. I've got a lot of respect for him. I think he's. Um, <laughs> I, I was about to say criminally underrated. I'm not sure how you criminally <laughs> underrate somebody that won the MVP. Uh, but but by God, he is. Um, right. Okay, folks. That wraps up the news. It is the off season. We've made more to talk about than I thought we did, but we we are at the end for this week. So it is that time again, ladies and gentlemen, where it is time for 
Dan's, although Dan's not with us, we decided that it was only right to finally give Dan a night off. Um, but it is time for Dan's third and top ten. And frankly, after the last time I did it and I was utterly pathetic, uh, I've decided that it's far easier to ask the question than to answer it. So, uh, it's going to be on me this week to ask a question to Stu and Studs. Now, I am kind of leaning on uh, Keith's example for last week, where we were looking at uh, quarterbacks and some of the stats that he was looking at number of interceptions that they'd thrown last week. What I want to know, gentlemen, is who are the top 10 safest pair of hands the NFL has ever seen. Now, to qualify, we are talking exclusively about the wide receivers with the highest catch percentage with a minimum of 200 receptions. And I'll tell you this as well, of the 10 of them, there are one who or who may or may not play this year, um, and then only two who are a wee bit older. The rest of the guys are current players. So seven of the 10 are current starters uh, for one team or another. Um, in the league. So does anybody want to jump in and try and go for one off the top? I think they can get the highest catch percentage minimum 200 receptions. Right. What do you I'll think? Let, you I'll, let, I'll let the youngest go first. Straight go on, Stu. Ooh. I'm going to go for somebody, one of the older ones and just see if I right. can get uh, Larry Fitzgerald. Nope. Oh. Fitz, he, is not, he is not there. Uh, no, I am not as good at this as Keith is, so sadly I don't have the big massive list in front of me that goes back to, that goes to the, the 87th most. Um, I very literally only get the top something other, but Manny Fitzgerald is not on the list. Studs, on you go, mate. I'm going to go for an older one as well. I'm going to go Randy Moss. Nope, he is not yeah. there either. I like so, I like. I like that you and I immediately both go for the because when I'm saying older players, um, one of these players uh, retired in 2015, and the other, to be fair, only retired in 2021. So the, the other one retired yeah. one off yeah, half time against the Jets. Is that what you're saying? Ah, yeah, basically, there was no currently playing. Um, is that Antonio um, Brown? One of the players did did play last year, but there's a big couple of question marks about whether or not they will play this year. Uh, right, so that's only one of them. Is he an ex-Bengal? What did you say? Is he an ex-Bengal? <laughs> uh, I can't think if he did play for the Bengals. Um, I, oh, I can check. No AGV uh, then, because that's, <laughs> that's where I was no, going with that. Uh, of those of those three players, none of them played in the Bengals. But come on, let's go. Ten of them are good. Right, Antonio Brown. Are names you know. They are names that you know. I'll tell you that right now. Antonio Brown. Uh, AB is not on the list. Damn it. <laughs> Justin <laughs> Jefferson. Uh, no, he... <laughs> might be just, just, just off the bottom. Just off the Higgins. <laughs> no, stop naming Ben. <laughs> Cooper Cup. That one, he's not there either. Jeffrey <laughs> Hopkins. <laughs> right, I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple of clues. Right, so for the top three, uh, the top Andy three Adams. Players, <laughs> top three players, top three players, famously played for or play for New Orleans Saints. Famously, Michael played, Thomas. Michael Thomas, number one, seventy-seven point five percent reception, over uh, three yards. Everyone under three yards. <laughs> 
Well, I'm not going uh, right, uh, next one. Uh, famously plays for the Raiders. Oh, Devonnie Adams. Nope. Hunter, Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. Yeah, uh, the on his day when he's healthy, winner recently of the Triple Crown. Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup. That's it. That's it. Oh, my dad, I meant froze. I didn't oh, see Cooper Cup. We'll give you a cup. Uh, right, uh, oh, right, tell you what, here's my oblique hint for this one. Um, it is somebody who, oh, we've had one, we've had one in on the oh, chat. Uh, sadly, Jason Watton. Sadly, that <laughs> is incorrect. Uh, it's a good guess, but he's not there. Uh, one of the most frustrating players to have in fantasy because he is either going to score 77 points in one game or none. Oh, Tyler Lockett. Sorry? Tyler, Tyler, Tyler Lockett. That would be Tyler Lockett. Well done, gentlemen. <laughs> Um, is, is, Mega, is Megatron one by any chance? Not in the top ten. No? Um, really? so, uh, we'll rattle through the rest of these really quickly. One man who is obviously going to set career highs in catching touchdowns this year because he has got the league-leading quarterback now at his disposal. Amari Cooper. No. That is not a league-leading quarterback. And I will <laughs> this, this would be... Chris Godwin. Ah. Chris Godwin. <laughs> there we See the like, 10 years link. We will go with... Uh, the, the, we'll, we'll rattle through the last couple quickly, so there's five others. Uh, one, currently with that team, uh, famously played on the Bills uh, recently, and before that had a big stint in Dallas. He's got fabulous, fabulous red hair. Cole Beasley. Oh, Cole Beasley. Beasley. Cole. I was kidding. You should have said Danny Vax. <laughs> got Cole that. Beasley. <laughs> um, right, this one, um, we've got a, t- a time before me, this guy. So he retired in 2015. Uh, retired at St. Louis Rams. Um, he his, his initials are WW. I'll give you that one. It wouldn't help me and it might help you too, gents. Uh, spells at Denver, spells with the Pats, spells with the Finns. Studs, we should know this one. Should know this one. Says the guy who really know Oh, where's Welka? Where's Welka? Yeah, where's Welka? Yeah, well, I can't remember his name. I was thinking, like, I've drafted him. It was Pats and Broncos. I'm our Pats Broncos. Last one. Oh, well, sorry. Uh, last one who's not currently playing in the league. Uh, retired in 2021 with the Commanders. Before that, a couple of years in Tennessee and then four years prior to that in Tampa Bay. Uh, I'll give you the initials again. A-H. Adam Humphreys. Adam Humphreys. Humphreys. Oh, I I can't believe he's retired. I thought he was only 24 or so. I could be wrong. His stats end in 2021. So I am reading into that as it might, might be incorrect. Right, then to the last, really quickly, uh, he is a man that sadly stuns, sadly, has left your glorious team this off-season. Tyreek Hill. Oh, no. Nope. No, that's off-season. Uh, Juju. Juju. Juju Smith-Juster. Comes in at nine with a 70.1%. Uh, completion rate. Then the first man who is in the top 10, under 70%. Uh, who has, as I just quickly try and double-check this to make sure that he did make that move, and I'm not losing my mind. He absolutely did. He was dragged, dragged against his will to New York this off-season. To the Jets? Oh, to play with his best friend, Aaron. Oh, Randall Cobb? 
Randall Cobb. Randall Cobb. Okay. There we are. With a... I was like, yes. I'm like, can't even <laughs> Randall Cobb, 69.8%. There you go. Uh, so those, ladies and gentlemen, were the safest hands that the league has or has had. Uh, and unshockingly, more or less all over the slot receivers. Because uh, they all catch balls at three yards. Um, yeah, Chase isn't likely to be, make that list anytime soon, Stu. Uh, right, okay, folks, we are drawing to the end of the pod. Um, Stu, do you have our, the, the, everyone's favourite segment, the Stu-tastic of the week? What have you got for me, mate? I do indeed. The Stu-tastic of the week uh, is actually grounded in science this time. Woofed. Uh, I mean, there's been a few studies done in this through the years, but the most recent one um, I was able to drag up, it comes back from a few years ago, so maybe it's changed a little bit, but I doubt it. Um, it came from 2018 and it was carried out at Dartmouth College by, I need to get the name here so I make sure I get it correct. The author is Michael C. Heron, who's the professor in, uh, of government and chair on the program in uh, quantitative social science. Uh, but he's also formerly of the San Francisco 49ers as a quarterback back in the day. Don't know, like, I, I don't actually recognize the name Michael C. Heron, so sorry, but he's a big deal <laughs> in the education system now. But anywho, the result of or his study was into which birth month is uh, most likely to produce NFL players. And he what? just gathered stats like all the way back oh. to the NFL. And I'll give you a clue. There's actually three months. It's not really one, but there's three oh. months spread across. Two that are really close together, and then one that's way apart, and I'll explain why. Yes. Um, but what, Studs, you might take a guess at what the most common, you know, or just try and get one of the most common ones. Go, I'll go for February. February no. is indeed one of the most Isn't common it? months. So there's one month oh, next mate. to it. I'm, I'm sure I've seen this before, and it's all to do with, if you're born in this month, it means you're going to be like the biggest in school. It means you're going to be old when you start school. Yeah. So you're going to be the biggest in your class. So yep. you're going to get preferential treatment and like PE and stuff. Right. Uh, okay. So why? Well, I know it's no. Well, I'm really hope it's no January because that would mean it was like me and that that definitely didn't happen. Um, <laughs> so do you know what? I'm going to go the other way slightly. Like March. You're incorrect. It was actually January, but that's just because. <laughs> The school, the school year works differently in North America ah, compared to how they do it with kids. Because, like, for us, like, uh, I was a March kid, so I was like one of the oldest in my class because, like, the cutoff was round about the end of February. Uh, in, the States, February. in the States and Canada, it's usually January is the first month. So, now, so Stu, what, what you're telling me here is that if I was born in America, I would have been a top athlete. You could have been in the NFL, Brian. Right. Would, would, not you could, would have would. been. There we are. I would have had less chance because I was born in March. Um, the other month, though, oddly, is September. But that's also to do with, if you look at the, the players that make it from the September year, they all go, or they all went to, not all, but there was a disproportionate amount of the players born in September who went to schools that had cut-offs that started at the end of August instead of the calendar year. So they did it by school year because school usually yeah. starts September here. So again, same kind of thing. It's like, okay, are you five in September? So you would start school at that point. So funnily enough, if you're older in your school year, you're generally likely to be more athletic, which I'm not, but smarter. So you're more likely to end up in the university system, all that everything too. So it seems to kind of actually follow. There is some truth in that, but for the NFL especially, if you're born in January and February in the States and Canada, you're more likely to make it to the NFL. 
There you go, ladies and gents. Like, there's an advert. Actual science from an actual study. And, and actual science that we could... I, I kind of feel that we need to put all the references in the in the description below the pod this week. We should. We, uh, should. <laughs> we need to reference our findings. Right. Okay, folks. With that, that is going to wind us up this week. Um, so a big thanks to, to everybody for, for listening. Um, remember, you can follow us on Twitter, at Grid Iron underscore on Insta, uh, on YouTube, just stick that down to in. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever else you get podcasts from. Ladies and gents, we are dangerously close to 50 days till the NFL picks off. Until we get there, remember, the crew will get you through the rest of the off-season. And until then, from me, from Studs, from Stu, have a lovely evening, folks.